0: Hello, Broncos country, and welcome to our post-draft edition of Rocky Mountain Football. I'm Jerry Murr, and I'm a football addict. I'm also a lifelong Broncos fan. With me once again,
1: Alex Romero. Hey, Jerry, how's it going?
0: Hey, Alex. You know what? I'm pissed. What should have been a really great week. I mean, I, I was so fired up after our draft and processing that and looking over all our draft picks. I wrote an article all about the draft picks and... Introduced our fans to to who we got. Yeah, the sun was out. Aaron Rodgers might be headed our way, you know. And sure, John James out for the season.
1: Ugh. Yeah, and how, I. How much? Is something was bound to happen there, right? Something is, was bound to happen. I mean, I I feel bad for the guy. Nobody
0: wants to see him get hurt, and and I feel super bad about that.
1: But uh, how much has he already cost the Broncos? He so it's it's crazy to think about. So his contract when he signed with the Broncos out of free agency in 2019 was a 4-year contract through 2022 worth $51 million. And so the fact that he's only started 3 games in what is going to be year 3 of yep. this of this contract is absolutely mind-boggling. Like he's just robbed the Broncos of so much money already. Right. I I think his time in blue and orange is done. Yeah, no, I yeah, absolutely. I was uh,
0: last, oh, whenever it was last year when we found out that he had opted out, I was very critical about this guy because of his antics in his first year as a Bronco. He played great in that first game against Houston. I guess it was in 19 and then basically sat the, the second half out with his knee injury. And, you know, Broncos trainers are like, oh, it's not that bad. You should be able to go. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go. Well, then he sits out over COVID. And, you know, I, I have to give people credit where credit is due. He had a newborn baby and was worried about COVID in the house. So, you know, I got to give him a little bit of leeway there. But he had such a history, not just as a Bronco, but even with Miami, as being a guy that's not committed to playing football. And that's okay. Then just don't. Exactly. A
1: job like the rest of us exactly and and it's it's crazy to think about cuz like you said he was an injury prone well not injury prone but he had he had faced some injuries in Miami as well but had uh lifted his stock as an offensive tackle with his play in the 2017 2018 season where i think that's you can check me on that cuz i'm not entirely sure which season Um, It was, it was either 2017 or 2018, but he played really well and lifted his stock as one of the premier offensive tackles in the NFL. But the fact of the matter is, is that his injuries, he's used those as excuses as to why not to play. Uh, Like you said, with the whole COVID situation, I think the timing of him opting out of COVID was a little bit suspect.
0: Right, right. And like I say, I was super critical of him, and I heard about it from some of the followers that we have. And He just has proven time and time again that he's not reliable. Um, His loyalty to a team does not jump off the page. So this is definitely going to go down as one of John Elway's worst signings. But you know what? That's not what really pisses me off this week. We talked, I believe, in our last two episodes about the voluntary OTAs that the uh, NFL Players Association has said, let's opt out of those as a stance against the the owners because of our lack of protection against COVID if we show up to these OTAs. So Chad Brown here on the local radio station, he's been sitting in for Mark Skler uh 104.3 The Fan and I listen to it religiously. I'm a avid listener, and I enjoy most everything those guys say. Chad Brown's not one of my favorites, but he was a great CU Buff linebacker, and he had a tremendous uh, career in the NFL. Fifteen years played for the Steelers, played for the Patriots, some for the Seahawks. Uh, he even served as a as a union rep for the players for five years or so. You know, I'm a I'm a union guy. I don't mean to say that I'm pro-union. I've been a member of a union for most of my career, and uh, I understand what unions are supposed to do. And while the players need to have representation, Chad Brown got all over this thing this morning, well, not just this morning, but this week, about the Broncos have to pay Jawan James, regardless of what's in his contract, because his injury being off-site means that the Broncos aren't, Uh, aren't committed or aren't required to pay him what, what he's due this year. And it's basically, I've heard the numbers range from 10 million to 23 million because they could take his signing bonus. But Mike Cliss was just on the radio today talking about that. He doesn't think the Broncos will go after his signing bonus. They'll just
1: go after his just north of $10 million for this year. Which makes sense though. I mean, if, if, you're not going to protect yourself when signing a contract and read through the actual contract or have your lawyer or agent read through the contract. Then why would you sign the contract? That's what baffles me about why this gentleman is defending Juwan James. Juwan James knew what was in his contract. He knew he wasn't supposed to be working out outside of the facility. So why do it? I mean, especially if, if you're, if you're scared of COVID within the facility, why are you working out at a facility that's outside the NFL? <laughs>
0: right. You, and... you don't know what their what their COVID
1: protections are.
0: It's really just a matter of the union is flexing their muscle because they're pissed off, and I expect it's because they're pissed off about the 17-week schedule. I don't argue that. Um, and and I don't think Chad Brown is really trying to justify paying John, Juwan James. He's really just trying to say, Uh, You don't want to set this precedent that if a guy goes out and works out away from the facility, you're not going to pay him if he gets injured. Well, obviously, there are going to be different situations. This is a case where the NFLPA put this player at risk, and it is on Jawan James, too. He made that choice based on what the, the Players Association or the union asked them to do, opt out so we can make a stand and get more power from
1: the owners right and and i completely understand what you're saying where you're saying it's not completely on jawan james it's on the NFLPA as well but i mean honestly i mean it if he is dumb enough to work out at another facility when it's in his contract not to then he's dumb enough not to get paid for it so yeah. let, let's just leave it at that and and uh, we can kind of move on to the next subject at this point, too. Yeah.
0: Well, just just let me finish a little bit more. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm driving around. This is Monday or Tuesday this week, and I'm pretty excited. The Broncos, you know, it, this is the time of year for all Bronco
1: country to start getting optimistic. Is it not? Absolutely. And Training and I, camp's right around the corner, and, and you can kind of see all the rookies coming in for – uh, their workouts. You can see the veterans coming in after that uh, for their workouts, as well as the offense and defense starting to work together and click, and you know gain that camaraderie and chemistry that they need uh, to go into the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, damn, man, let's get fired up. We got some great potential in the draft, but I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, on the fan, Tyler Columbus is just coming on shift at 3 p.m., and this news drops in Tyler Columbus former CEU offensive lineman also played for the Broncos. He went off on how dumb the players were for boycotting the OTAs, which is essentially what you and I said when this happened. Yep. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. So, today and yesterday I kind of got on the text line with Chad Brown about this and today I texted him and he actually said that I had a really good point, which was a uh, uh, shocker, because he was so so adamant about it. But I here's what I said. I said, I disagree with paying James for so many reasons, but I get your point that you don't want to set a precedent of not paying your players. But I said, the players know what's in their contract. They chose to boycott the voluntary OTAs. That's the risk that they took. Drew Locke reported, Von Miller reported, report Go to your go to your job for crying out loud. And I would say that to anybody. you know the the unions and ownership have to come together and they have to have some balance in their agreements.
1: yeah i I completely agree with that statement. I'd say that to anybody too, because it's it's like for example, if you went to your job and you're being paid millions and millions of dollars to go and do a certain job where if you go and do something else and do the same thing somewhere else, they're not liable to pay you. And it's it's just like everyday life, where he has a job with a certain, let's call it a company, because technically the Denver Broncos are a company, they are paying him. Right, right. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous, where he thinks he can go do his job somewhere else, and still get paid for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and uh, I, I
0: don't want to beat a dead horse, and. I'm still hypercritical of Juwan James and what he's taken from the Broncos, and I, I don't, you know, he's he's a good character guy, and the NFL owners called him out by name yesterday in the in the uh, the order to the Broncos. Hey, you know what? You do what you got to do. If you don't want to pay him, you do not have to pay him. And I think, by and large, the NFL ownership they don't want the Broncos to pay this guy. They want to send a message. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a slippery slope because of the precedent you're setting, but uh, I still am not on board, and I should, I don't think the players had a right to do the, this this opt out here based on COVID. It just pisses me off.
1: I agree, and and ultimately, if I'm the NFL owners and and ownership of the NFL and and higher ups, even Roger Goodell, I need to stand by the decision not to pay. Him. And that's going to send a message to the rest of the NFL players and the NFL PA that will say, hey, if you guys decide to not report and work out elsewhere, we're not going to pay.
0: Right.
1: I right. mean, well, that's, that's line, the last thing I'll say about that. But, <laughs> you know,
0: bottom line, I'm, I'm so over James. I hate that he suffered this injury. I hate, you know, no player. I hate that any player gets injured. But that is. It does go with the job. It goes with many people's jobs, including mine. Uh
1: let, let's move on. Sure, sure, absolutely. And and like like I said before, or like you said, I should say, Juwan James getting injured, nobody wants that to happen, right? But uh we wish him a speedy recovery. We're not trying to hate on Juwan James, we're just calling it how we see it. And ultimately we hope he has a speedy recovery and uh I I just think his time in blue and orange is done.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: totally agree. You know, I've recently
0: had some some uh, debate on Facebook with a few different followers, and uh, he was actually telling me how much more an offensive lineman is worth to a team than running backs, and we'll get more into that. But I do want to let people know that we welcome comments and feedback on our Thunder program here. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Jerry Murr. It's J-E-R-R-Y or hit me up on Facebook. Facebook is where I live, and lots of people, you know, I jump in and debate with people all the time, and hopefully I'm not getting a bad reputation for what I'm doing out there, yelling at Ben Baca and Adam, one of our Rocky Mountain uh, Sports Report regulars, Matt Staffiero, one of our other staffers at Rocky Mountain Sports Report. We get into some heated debate over Drew Locke and and various other topics, and I, I want to invite all of you to join us and jump in and comment hopefully alex and i will be live one of these days and and we can have some live interaction with you because that's that's what i ultimately want to get to uh but got to start somewhere in the, the rocky mountain thunder podcast is where we're at from rocky mountain sports report alex uh, you can be hit up on facebook as well right
1: yep yep my facebook alex romero is always open for debate Uh, My Twitter as well, Alex Romero 1010 Follow me on Twitter, and we'll be able to kind of chat, and you guys can follow us around on Rocky Mountain Sports Report.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if there's some topics you want us to talk about, keep it Broncos, and I'm all in. Uh, That's where I live. I live in
1: Broncos country. (laughs) Absolutely. If there's something you want us to debate on on the show, then definitely let us know. Send us a DM, tweet at us, uh, send us a message on Facebook. Go ahead. Um if there's something you want to hear about, just let us know and we'll do our best to get it back on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Go on, James.
1: Let's get rid of that one. And
0: on we go. I know this pod's gonna run long today. I you know, Alex and I have been kind of talking back and forth about keeping these podcasts around 20 minutes to make it easier for you to listen to, but I guarantee today we're gonna run long, and I just invite you to spend the week listening to this. If you can only listen for five minutes. That's great. Just listen for five minutes and then turn it back on tomorrow for five minutes and fit this all in in the next week. And uh, uh, <laughs> I apologize for the length, but there's so much to talk about after the draft. with Juwan James, and we're just going to hit it all today, and uh, you can listen to it all week long. That'll be great. Uh, Matt, David, Slade, Alex, and I are getting ready to do our Rocky Mountain Sports Report live draft coverage on Friday afternoon with special guests from the k k Sports Show, Kurt Valenti. Uh, they had me on their show right before the draft. I think it was Thursday night. It might have been Wednesday. I get lost on my days. But k k Sports Show, it's a great sports show you can find on Facebook. Uh, right before the draft, we were all pumped up, anxious to find out who the Broncos were going to draft in that first round. And boom, the Aaron Rodgers bomb
1: explodes. Oh my gosh, you have no idea how excited I got when Aaron Rodgers dropped that bomb on, on Green Bay, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I have seen him play in person, and he is a magician, yeah. let me tell you. Yeah, um, as if anybody needed to be told that. The um, The, things, yeah, the
0: placement he gets on his
1: throws, I mean, man, oh man. Some of the throws that he makes, it it makes me wonder how he made the throw in the first place. Yeah. He's off his back foot, going to the ground, kind of created the Patrick Mahomes off balance throw, but yeah I uh, they give a lot of was, they give a lot of credit to Mahomes for making that throw up. So
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he was he was it before Patrick Mahomes showed up. And I think Patrick Mahomes did take it to another level, but nobody can do it like Aaron Rodgers. And I actually I hate Aaron Rodgers, partially because I'm jealous and partially because of his ego. And, you know, a lot of this is screaming ego. And so I have some skepticism, but not enough skepticism to say Broncos don't take the guy. Uh, I do have my concerns, though, that he's not going to like the Fangio system or he's not going to like the Shermer
1: system, but I'm willing to find out. I guarantee it. And I guess now the Packers are trying to say that the Broncos are tampering yep, with Aaron yep. Rodgers, which I think is an absolutely ridiculous claim. I mean, he's he's unhappy there. He's going to look elsewhere, and he's already let the Packers know that he wants the GM fired. And yeah. it's because the GM won't help him offensively. They yeah. w- refuse to draft offensive players, which they finally, finally drafted a wide receiver in the draft this year. But another A-Rod. Exactly, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but with the first-round pick, they go with a corner out of Georgia. I think it was Eric Stokes. Oh, my
0: God, let me get into this with you. So, the draft, super excited and super nervous because I'm convinced that it's going to affect who and how the Broncos approach the draft. A hundred percent. Now, you know, George Payton, he did a good job after the draft to say, now, we were focused on the draft and, you know, they they really – and that would be a fine line dancing around. Okay, we better take this guy because Green Bay's going to want him for Aaron Rodgers. But every pick, I was thinking, oh, how's this going to affect this uh, Aaron Rodgers deal for the Broncos? And quite frankly, when the Broncos dropped Pat Sertan's name in as the pick, I was convinced that that was for Green Bay.
1: I, I thought the same thing. It, it kind of made me scratch my head at first because I'm a very, very passionate athlete and sports fanatic in general so no matter what my teams do whether it's the Denver Broncos you know the Chicago Blackhawks the New York Yankees you know those are those are my teams in various sports but no matter what each team does I'm very very passionate and I I will have an opinion on it sure so when they took Patrick Sertan initially just being with my thinking with my passion side i was not very happy to be honest with you i i was thinking why would you go out in the first round and draft a corner which granted he is he is a very very talented corner like i said i mean i was watching some some stuff on him and his instincts positioning you know ability to break up passes is absolutely awesome so if denver does keep him we do have another solid cornerback that's going to be from this rookie class However, when it kind of sank in a little bit, especially after Green Bay took Stokes from Georgia as a corner, it made me think, can this potentially be a pick for the Aaron Rodgers trade?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was right there with you. And, you know, there's a there's a new, I don't even want to call it a rumor, but it's a trade package that's been thrown together that includes Pat Sertan, Drew Locke, Tim Patrick, 2022 first rounder, 2023 first rounder, and the Broncos, that's what the Broncos give Green Bay. The Broncos get Rodgers and Eric Stokes. And I thought the exact same thing. I said, they just took Eric Stokes. And the reason I felt this way is because to me, Eric Stokes was the pick for the Broncos because they had, they had higher
1: priorities in the beginning of the draft than taking a corner. I 100% agree, and and ultimately I thought it should have been either Micah Parsons or it should have been um, an offensive tackle in Rashawn Slater. That's that's ultimately where Denver got up to the pick at number nine, and I saw who was available, and and those were my two top picks that Denver should have taken. But George Payton, I think, thought of this strategically and is is going to send uh, Sertan over to Green Bay in that Aaron Rodgers trade, which makes sense because they do need help on the corner side. That's one of their needs. Yeah. Um, which in that case, and since you're talking about trade packages, uh, I've seen a few different ones that I don't like, but there's one that I do like, whereas it was uh, the ones that I had seen that were potential trade packages that I do not like at all is Von Miller a 2022, 23, and 24 first round, 2022 second round, and 2023 fifth round is the first package. I don't want to give up Von Miller at all. Von Miller needs to finish his career as a Bronco, and that's just plain and simple. But as far as the other things given away, I'm totally okay with giving up as many draft picks as we need to. That's, that's just showing the Broncos and the team that we're all in right now. The other one that I would maybe be okay with is uh, Graham Glasgow, the 22 through 24 first round picks, the 2022 second round, and 2023 second round. Uh, That one I feel like I may be okay with as well. What would you think about that one?
0: Yeah, I I would totally be on board for that. I I am hesitant
1: to give up that much draft
0: capital, but with Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to really matter. Uh, because you're going to be picking so late anyway, which is why the Packers are liable to say, well, we're, we want that first pick, but then we want a conditional second and third. But, you know, the, the draft or the uh, trade package I just told you about with Drew Lock and Certain and, uh, and Tim Patrick, I don't think that Green Bay would accept that offer. I think it's going to take more. Like, those first-rounders and some seconds and thirds. So so how about
1: this, then? I mean, in, in that case, I don't want to—I'm one of those who, if we trade for Aaron Rodgers, I do not want to give up Drew Locke. I'm that adamant on developing Drew Lock. However, if we do give away a quarterback, why not just take the $3 million cap hit that is on Teddy Bridgewater, deal him to Green Bay instead of Drew Locke? add Sertan and Deshaun Hamilton instead of Tim Patrick and still give away the 2022 and 2023 first round picks at least and the 2022 second round and 2023 third round that sounds pretty fair
0: yeah and i, I just don't know how titty's what's his draft value or what's his value to the green bay packers i don't know you know well if denver well in the quarterback situation is very, very bleak
1: for Green well, Bay the, right now. In the Broncos' trade with the Panthers, the Panthers took the $7 million of the $10 million that is owed to Teddy Bridgewater. So the Broncos owe Bridgewater $3 million. So in that case, to entice Green Bay, that's why I'm saying Denver should just take the $3 million hit off Bridgewater and deal him in the trade so that the Packers can entice him not—or be enticed not to pay him anything, and his salary is being paid by the Broncos. That's a piece of cake. I just don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is worth anything to Green Bay. I don't know what they think of it. Well, and you got to think, too, they have Jordan Love, who they drafted in the first round last year out of Utah State. So they're trying to develop him, too. So in the time that he's still developing underneath the Packers' systems— They'll have Bridgewater running the show Yeah For maybe again, a year
0: There again we don't know how much value they have on Jordan Love
1: Maybe they don't like him Well you don't draft <laughs> a guy in the first round If you don't like him obviously but Yeah but,
0: but there was already talk about him trying to deal him
1: here Just before the draft Maybe they
0: don't like him
1: And that could be something as well Like they could have an issue <laughs> with him um, yeah, this is, You know this That is they've seen after the draft right
0: So this is, This is a mess. Yeah. I I mean, I don't want to say I'm willing to give up the farm, but uh, I think it's realistic to think that you're going to have to give up a good bit to get him. And I'm not sure if any of these packages really are going to be enough to get the job done. Mike Quiss was on the radio this afternoon saying that he doesn't think the Broncos are in a situation where they can give Green Bay enough compensation. Well, Green Bay would rather get something than nothing.
1: Absolutely. And and especially if you're getting multiple first round picks, why would you not give it up? Right. Especially if Rodgers isn't gonna play another game in green and yellow, why would you not at least take the draft picks and start the rebuild? Yeah. Like that that's just that's just it. I mean, you have a guy who you drafted last year in the first round to play quarterback who you thought was gonna be Rogers' successor, and even in the coming years, you have another opportunity to draft another quarterback if you really don't like Jordan Love. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it just starts the whole rebuild over again.
0: Well, you brought up a good point that George Payton really didn't flinch. He grabbed Patrick Sertan, and, you know, I was high on Mac Jones for the Broncos. I'm not that high on Mac Jones, but I think the Pat Shermer offense would be a re- a great fit for Mac Jones. So I thought at number nine, Mac Jones is your guy. You also know I was big on Slater because our right tackle situation is pretty spooky, and now it's just gotten to be a nightmare.
1: Definitely. And even even my guy, Pene Sewell, I'm glad he went number seven overall, but I think he went too low as far as his talent, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I but, uh, great, great uh, oh, my gosh, player. I was getting excited for a minute, and I thought he was going to drop to nine. Yeah. And so I <laughs> – I was getting up in my seat, and I was like, oh, he's still there. Yeah. He's still there. <laughs> well,
0: uh, George Payton drafting Patrick Sertan. He's definitely a player the Packers will be interested in in a trade package. And he's definitely a player the Broncos can use if Green Bay flinches and doesn't want it deal. So I think it's a win-win with uh, Patrick Sertan. I was I was high on J.C. Horn. I had him slightly ahead of Sertan just because of concerns with lack of speed from Patrick Sertan. But
1: sure. then after
0: his pro day, he ran a 4.540. Horn ran a 4.37. I said, you know what? Patrick Sertan's enough of an athlete and, and cover corner that that little bit of speed difference, I I, I think these are equal prospects. And then when the yeah. room met the road, Patrick Sertan was slightly graded above. But as you saw, Carolina jumped on Horn just before, so. Absolutely, Before pretty fair, fair grades on those two corners. Absolutely. So I'd have been happy with either one of them. Uh, I felt like uh, right tackle and quarterback were more of a priority, as well as linebacker that inside linebacker
1: spot, which we can get to later on here as we go on. But one so. move, one move about the draft too that I really liked from George Payton. First, first I'll kind of start off with a little joke. Him hanging up on the NFL GM saying that oh, I've got somebody calling me who's going to give me something better. Did you see that video? No, I have heard about it. I haven't seen Oh, that. my gosh. So he hung up on one GM on a phone call and said, all right, I got to go. Somebody is calling me who's going <laughs> to give me some more. And hung up on the guy and took the other call. And, uh, oh, my gosh, that made me laugh pretty good. But the trade up from number 40 to 35, I felt like was a very good move to draft Javante Williams. And I'm excited to see what he can do in blue and orange as well.
0: Yeah, one of the Facebook users I was talking about, Brandon Cargill, just yesterday, he and I got into a pretty decent debate about drafting running backs so early. You know, there was a time here pre-draft where I said, Bronco's ought to grab Najee Harris. He's that good at number nine. And, you know, after further evaluation, you know, priorities being what they were, uh, it would be better to trade back, get some more draft darts, and maybe get... Najee Harris later in the draft. But you know, with the other priorities, it was hard to justify. And uh Javante Williams, arguably one of the best running backs, if not the best running back, based on his ability to break
1: tackles and, and just shake out of tackles. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and basically just watching film on him, like I watched a little bit on him uh during the past season, but even then, I mean Javante Williams has great hands, he's a strong back, has fantastic balance. I've seen a couple runs of his last season alone that he had to have his balance under a hundred percent control just to stay up on the field. Dude's just literally a fast runner, bowling ball downhill kind of guy, and I think that's the running game that Denver is going to need, especially with uh, with him at the number two uh, behind Melvin Gordon. But Melvin Gordon is that type of runner as well, and that's going to get Denver a little bit better uh, run game, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree.
0: And around here, a lot of the a lot of the talking heads on my radio show at the fan there they're pretty critical of Melvin Gordon and that he's underperformed for what the Broncos have brought, brought him in and paid him. And I disagree with that. I like Melvin Gordon. Did he have a little rocky start last year? Yeah, but I think we saw what he could do later on as the season wore on, and as those wide receivers start picking up the game, getting to the speed of the game, as well as Drew Lock. Melvin Gordon will be just fine and having Javante Williams in there to spell him is not going to hurt
1: anything. Well, that and and the thing about Melvin Gordon is is he's one of those backs that he needs to touch the ball so many times in a game. Like that's that's just the type of back that he is. The more he touches the ball, the better off in the game he'll be. Yeah. And that with him and Philip Lindsay in the backfield last year, those two were split-in carries. And that's just not going to work when you have a back in the backfield that's going to be needing to touch the ball 20, 30 times a game.
0: Okay. So, uh, Alex, I'd, I'd kind of like to just jump in to round one, pick number nine, the Patrick Sertan. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but here's a kid out of Alabama, 6'2", 208 pounds. He's played against all the best uh, wide receivers in the league. He practiced against them every day. Nick Saban, one of the best, if not the best, defensive backs coach in the nation. Uh, It's hard to fault that pick at number nine, and we've already documented, you know, uh, this thing shapes up as a great trading chip with the Packers, or he's just a great player for us. I can't wait to watch him, especially if he's in
1: the orange and blue. Absolutely, and even just looking at his stats from last year, too, I mean, uh, he had 13 games played, 22 solo tackles. 15 assisted tackles for 37 total, even in his career at Alabama, 116 total tackles with 82 of those being solo. And like, it's, it's crazy that this dude's so quick. He's so instinctive that he can read a play and go by himself to go make a play on the ball and make a stop. And that's something that's going to be very, very attractive to the Broncos taking that pick at number nine. And even if they do end up trading him away, um, it would be very, very attractive to the Packers as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, if they can manage to get Eric Stokes from the Packers, this is a cornerback I actually had really high on my Broncos board for the Broncos. Somebody that you'd trade back and you could get him in the second round. He was a four three speed guy. I mean super fast. And those Georgia defensive backs are really solid. Absolutely, I mean, you have
1: to be when playing against Nick Saban and Alabama's offense, yeah, right? too. So
0: yeah. you're going to line up in the SEC with those air raid
1: offenses, and
0: uh, they're going to be pitching a ball all over the field. You better have cover guys, and uh, Eric Stokes is a guy I like quite a bit. So maybe, maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, I, I'm excited about the cornerback situation with our free agents in the draft Patrick Scehan. He was ultimately ranked the number one corner in the draft by ESPN numbers. Uh, he had an overall rank of number 10, so getting him at nine was right on schedule. He had a grade of 92 out of 100. I never did find exactly what those grades were about, but I think basically first-round grades are in the 85 to 100, so wow, obviously he had a first-round grade. J.C. Horn was drafted right ahead of Sertan by the Panthers. Was ranked as the number two corner with a fourteen OVR and grade of ninety one. So, uh, I think the Broncos did great. George Payton, maybe he's looking forward with Green Bay, but if not, we got a great corner. So,
1: absolutely, and that just that just builds up our cornerback room too, right? So, with yeah. the with the additions of Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, you know, to bolster what we already had in Callahan, um, obviously. Bassey coming back from injury, uh, you know, those guys that are coming back from injuries on from last year's squad as well. Right. I mean, that's that's definitely a solid no-fly zone 2.0 at this point.
0: Yeah, and you know, Bryce Callahan, there's
1: talk that he may get dealt here in the not-too-distant future.
0: He may not even
1: be a Bronco. I, I really hope he stays, to be honest with you. He played really well. He made some big plays that were game-changers last year, and and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty sad when he when he ultimately does go. Um I know he only has about a year left on his contract, but uh um I I really hope Denver can keep him for long term.
0: Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh but the speculation is he's he's gonna be dealt. Brandon Stokely on the fan brought up that uh, they felt like he would be gone if it wasn't for this Aaron Rodgers talk. If we lose Patrick Sertan, we don't want to lose Bryce Callahan too, so until this all shakes out, Bryce Callahan
1: will still stay in the uh, orange and blue. Absolutely. And I, I really hope he does. Like I said, I mean, uh, saying Bassey, Duke, Dawson, um, even now Jamar Johnson coming and backing up for Justin Simmons now, Caden Stearns coming and backing up for Kareem Jackson, even Terry Vincent is another safety that Denver really brought in to bolster that safety room, too. And and. Just the defensive backfield, I'm I'm very, very high on this year for Denver.
0: Now there were a lot of a lot
1: of people disappointed that Justin Fields wasn't our pick. Uh
0: and, or andor Mac Jones, uh Micah Parsons. And just to give you a little bit of numberology here from the ESPN stats, they had Fields ranked as the fourth best quarterback with an OVR of eleven. So again, a good pick at number nine. Mac Jones was under that at uh, grade of 90 to Fields' 91. He was the fifth-best quarterback but ranked 15th overall, which abracadabra the Patriots get Mac Jones at 15. I think that's a perfect fit for Mac Jones and the Patriots, so I'm uh, not a happy camper about that. Micah Parsons was actually ranked as the second-best inside linebacker behind Owusu uh he had a, a sixteen overall gra uh score and a grade of ninety. So he was expected to go around number sixteen, gets drafted by Dallas at what, number
1: twelve? Yeah, so I think that was number twelve or thirteen or so. But yeah, that's that's definitely a, a missed opportunity for, for Denver to have that inside linebacker position upgraded as well. But yeah, I I honestly I still am kind of sitting behind the Sertan pick, too. Yeah, uh, you know, those numbers aside, Sertan is the better player by
0: those grades. And uh, is he He is a player of need as well as the best player available at number nine. Unless, of course, you want to go quarterback. Sure. Moving on into the second round, I'm with you 100%. I believe moving up from 40 to 35 for Javante Williams is a win. We felt like the right at least i felt like the broncos should be in the market to trade back and here the first thing the first trade they make is actually up but they didn't give up that much to move from 40 to 35
1: yeah if from what it sounded like they gave up um their fourth round pick and just swapped the second round i believe is what they gave up if i'm mistaken please correct me but
0: yeah yeah they give up 40 for 35 they also had to give their fourth round pick, and they got they got Atlanta's sixth round pick.
1: So, the, gotcha.
0: You know they gave up an earlier round for a later round, and they gave up forty for thirty five. It's really not that big a deal. And Javante Williams is a difference maker. Is he a Dalvin Cook? Is he a Derrick Henry? We won't know until the, the season gets here. Heck, he might be a Saquon Barkley who we can't keep on the field because of injuries. You know, you just. You just don't know
1: with any of these guys. You really don't. And, and just judging from his career at North Carolina as well, I mean, he played a total of 34 games in three years at North Carolina, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. I mean, he played 10 games his freshman year, 13 as sophomore, and 11 in his junior year, which was his past season. I mean, he, he stayed on the field pretty well, um, had over 1,100 yards last year in 157 attempts with an average of 7.3 yards per carry. Right. Uh, last year, even rushed for 19 touchdowns, had 25 receptions for 305 yards, and three receiving touchdowns. I mean, this guy is an all-around playmaker. Like I said, he has great hands, especially with 25 receptions as a running back. Uh, he has great hands. He's a strong guy. Uh, he just runs like a bowling ball. He, You roll a bowling ball down the hill, and that's Javante Williams.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I believe Najee Harris is destined to be something special, but something got pointed out to me this week. He, uh, let me see if I can get this right, he carried the ball 800 times in Alabama, and Javante Williams carried the ball 400 times. So,
1: Pretty much, yeah, 366 is, is the more, exact amount of carries that he had.
0: A lot more tread on those tires than Najee Harris, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. <laughs>
0: And, you know, the Broncos went down that road with Monty Ball won Monty Ball a while back, a, a workhorse for Wisconsin. And when he got to Denver, I'm afraid he just, he didn't have any tread left on the tires.
1: Definitely. And that's that's what you got to think about, too, is how many carries these guys are taking each year as well, and, and what they're going to be able to bring to your offense. And yeah. that's that's ultimately something that Denver obviously took a look at, and and after Najee Harris was off the board, I feel like they were in complete confidence in Javante Williams to come and support Melvin Gordon in the backfield.
0: Yeah. Well, both Travis Etienne, do I have that name right? Eddie, ETN. ETN. He and Harris both were off the board, right? Sure. So this was the next guy. And, man, I like I say, I would, I'd have a tough time arguing that he wasn't the better of the three. Especially for the Broncos So I'm very excited about Javante Williams, former Tar Heel I
1: am as well, I'm very excited
0: So we did Finally see the Broncos trade back It wasn't until the third round They gave up their 71st pick And in a nutshell uh, They ended up getting The 98th and 105th In the third round And then a fifth round pick So they ended up getting two picks For the price of one Uh, essentially.
1: And grab the gut. What do you think about the gut? Oh my goodness. This guy, let me tell you, this guy is a strong dude. Have you seen his his training videos? (laughs) This (laughs) guy's knocking over trees, smacking trees. (laughs) like Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners. My gosh, that's going to be a guy that you'll hear his name in the offensive line, hopefully for a long time in blue and orange. Like, this guy... In pass protection is absolutely awesome. He just pancakes guys. You know he's got an explosive start to his step, and, and this is a guy that I'm actually really really high on. Yeah, you know what? I I'm I have to remain skeptical here. Division three, Wisconsin,
0: Whitewater. And I, I mean I know that's in Wisconsin somewhere, right? Eh?
1: Definitely, yeah. And <laughs> and the thing that you can can kind of rest on is this guy played in the Senior Bowl as well. And so he played up against some of the best later round guys, third, fourth, uh, even maybe second round guys in the country. And so he's playing against Power Five competition in that senior bowl, and he definitely held his own.
0: And he's got the build six foot three, 320 pounds. And while they may, they may tease that his nickname is the gut, I think that's his self proclaimed nickname, he is solid steel. Make if no you mistake. got it, own it. If you got it, own it. Right. Make no mistake. This guy is a beast. You watch. If you just pull him up, Quinn Miners. You can probably even Google the 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 gut and see his not just his workouts, but his highlight film. He is pancake after pancake, and that's what I like to see out of a guy. You know, he finished every play, and you don't see linemen doing that nowadays as much as this kid did. So he rightfully earned a spot in the 3rd round of the NFL draft coming out of Division 3 Wisconsin-Whitewater. Super excited to see what he has in the tank. Not just a guard, but a guy that played center at the senior bowl with a broken hand.
1: Definitely. And uh in that case, I mean what we've been talking about even with the Jawan James stuff is that right tackle spot's going to be a little bit of a question mark. So if you have miners, and you have him playing the center spot. Can you move Cushionberry out to the tackle?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation around here. Dalton Reisner played tackle in at Kansas. They didn't. They, you know, that Tyler Columbus. Don't move a guy that's already excelling at the position he's in, because now you've just diminished the left guard position to move Reisner over to play. It might actually draw both positions down. Well, I would argue you might also bring Garrett Bowles' play down because now he's got to learn to play with somebody else. Sure. So I rather sure. see him leave an intact side of the line. And we can monkey around is it Cush? Is it the gut? Is it uh, Natani Moody? He played great last year in his limited snaps. Sure. Uh, looked like a guy that could plug and play. Garrett Glasgow can play center the gut. I mean, I, I think this was a good pick because I do think you have to address the inside. I don't know what they're going to do at right tackle, but we'll get it figured out. And, uh, I know that there's some players that they can bring up uh, from Tennessee. They were looking at a guy, and I didn't get prepared with those guys. But there are a few free agents left. It's slim pickings, but there's still some quality that uh, can come in and help out.
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, moving on into, again, into that trade that you were talking about in the fifth round, receiving a fifth round pick as well. Or uh, excuse me, the second, third round pick is the 105 pick you were talking about, in the Broncos select linebacker Baron Browning from Ohio State. What do you think about that one?
0: Yeah, blast pick in the third round, uh, former Buckeye, six three two forty five. You know what? I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to this guy because I didn't feel like edge was crucial. I knew the Broncos would grab an edge player, and after they drafted him, I said, well, okay, well here's their. Uh, their edge guy. But the more I look at him, the less I like him for the edge. And I keep, I keep quoting guys off the fan. Cecil Lammy was talking about Aaron Browning. Got me all excited because Cecil Lammy believes his best work has been inside. It
1: Ohio. absolutely
0: has. And Ohio State moved him all over the field. He played Sam. He played Mike. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Sorry to jump Oh, in. yeah. No, you're, you're totally fine. Um, like I was saying, I mean, he, he definitely excelled at Ohio State as an inside linebacker. So if he can get in there and from the jump just challenge uh, Alex Johnson to get that middle linebacker spot, I mean, this guy Browning from Ohio State has great speed. He fills holes, and his play diagnosis is just amazing. Like yep. this guy just fills those holes and makes a play super quick. And the guy forces so many turnovers. It's unreal. For example, I mean, he didn't have any interceptions or anything. However, he had seven total sacks, 109 total tackles, 19 tackles for loss. And basically he, he forced two fumbles and recovered two fumbles. Yeah.
0: Well, and they may have moved him to the outside just due to lack of depth on their own team there at Ohio State. Uh, you know, we grabbed one of their guys we'll talk about here in a little bit, and Jonathan Cooper. But uh, as versatile as this guy, he was high on draft boards because of this versatility. He can get to the edge. He can get to the quarterback. He's got great run-stopping power, ability to get after the quarterback. 245, and he runs a 45640. Uh, you know, he's... He, there's. Potential he can cover. He hasn't shown a great ability to do so, but it probably is more to a lack of experience at, at that
1: job. And that's something that Denver can develop as well. Right. They can develop his coverage skills. Um, like I said, he doesn't have any interceptions, he doesn't have any yards for interceptions. Um, ma- basically, everything that he has has been fumble recoveries, which he had two in the past season, forced fumbles, which is two in the past season. And then as well as he has 109 total tackles with 65 of those being solo tackles. Basically, this this guy I'm super excited about, and I'm super excited to get him in the middle of the field.
0: So, yeah, you know, while well, I I had some
1: issues with them not grabbing
0: Jabril Cox out here this late, obviously they glossed over Jeremiah owusu who's a guy that really dropped. His draft stock plummeted, and I was convinced it was because of his size. But then we find out a little later uh, owusu evidently had some sort of a medical issue. Sounds like maybe an heart, maybe a heart issue or something. And his draft stock did drop, but Cleveland grabbed him and I think they got a steal uh, there where they drafted Jeremiah owusu On the other side of that coin, Jabril Cox evidently had an injury that precluded him from performing in LSU's Pro Day. So he had to hold a Pro Day later on, but Sounds like he did have a successful pro day, but that injury did cause him to slip in the draft board as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and those are both guys that I would have loved to see in blue and orange as well. Like those are two guys that are big time playmakers. Uh, like you said, Owusu Koromoa is a little bit undersized, but his play at Notre Dame kind of spoke for itself. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, I, I'm. If we can keep Baron Browning inside. You know, last year they fiddled around a little bit with uh, Justin Hollins and then stuck him on the practice squad, and the Rams took him and look at him now as a, as an inside linebacker.
1: Definitely, and, and that's going to be the move to go uh, if you're Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio's a defensive-minded guy anyway, um, so if he has any sense of where to put Baron Browning, it's going to be in the middle. And uh, looking over Denver's uh, depth chart, it looks like Browning is looking like a right inside linebacker behind Josie Jewell. So that's that's exactly where they're wanting to put him anyway. Yeah, I, I envision him
0: being the guy that takes Josie Jewell's, uh, let me not say takes Josie Jewell's spot, but he and Josie Jewell are going to be playing for that. That's what I expect. However, the depth chart for the Broncos' edge rushers is not that great,
1: is it? For the edge rushers, I mean, the the obviously you'll have Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, but the left defensive end, you have Draymond Jones, which I feel like uh, under the edge rushers as well, you could have uh, Marquis Spencer. You already have Shelby Harris, um, which Marquis Spencer we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Um, you have Shelby Harris as the right defensive end, Draymond Jones as the left defensive end, and then Chubb and Von Miller on the edges with Malik Reed. Um, you'll also have Derek Tezuka.
0: I don't Tuska. know how to say Tus- that. Tuska? Tuska? Is that Tuska? Uh,
1: North Dakota, yep. Gotcha. And you can also have Jonathan Cooper, which we'll talk about again here in just a moment. But uh, he's a guy where he may be able to even take Derek Tuska's spot at that second spot on the right side. Yeah,
0: both of them. Late, 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 late late, late round picks, Uh, but Cooper is a guy I definitely want to get into him a little bit more here, but I want to kind of stay in order on the draft here. Definitely. Uh, I'm I'm super concerned with the lack of depth on the Broncos' edge. You're talking about Harris and Draymond Jones, five technique guys on the 3-4 defense. So obviously, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, those two have to stay healthy because outside of those two guys, we are thin,
1: thin, thin. Well, and, and you say that now, but you get into the season and and you see who steps up and who's going to play, you know, on the first and second downs where Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are obviously going to play on third down to get that stop. But ultimately, you're going to see who steps up and who backs off during the season as well, uh, which kind of reminds me um a little bit of a Von Miller is um, Jonathan Cooper just kind of watching his stuff a little bit. Uh, he definitely kind of reads the offensive line very well, forces the quarterback to make bad decisions. And like you said, we'll we'll kind of talk about him in just a minute as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to glaze over these other characters. We, we had a couple of great safeties uh, in the later rounds, picked up Caden Stearns. Now, I'm not sure why the order is the way it is, maybe you can chime in on that, but at pick number 152, Broncos go to Texas and grab Caden Stern, 42-inch vertical, four-four forty, Really good-looking safety, but not half as good a-looking safety as the kid they drafted out of Indiana. Take
1: it away. Sure. Um, and ultimately, I think this was just a depth pick just to kind of give, I think, Kareem Jackson and... Uh, Justin Fields, a little bit of safety behind them, Uh, no pun intended. But Caden Stearns, uh, he actually played 29 career games at Texas spanning from 2018 to 2020. He had 120 solo tackles, 53 assisted for 173 total tackles, had eight and a half tackles for loss two sacks, and five interceptions in his career at Texas. So what
0: What I was referring to is Jamar Johnson. He graded out well ahead of Caden Stearns, but yet the Broncos drafted him later than Caden Stearns, only about 12 picks later. But these two are kind of going hand-in-hand. Hand. Jamar Johnson, like they say, he graded out a lot better. And figures to, you know, he's a guy that they could put into the slot if they needed to. Both players will be able to contribute on special teams,
1: I suppose. Sure, absolutely. And that's something where I thought Denver was looking for as well, as to bolster their special teams, because Stearns did have a blocked field goal against USC that got returned for a touchdown as well. And so that, his closing speed, his ability to take away the deep ball is, is definitely attractive to defenses as well. As far as Jamar Johnson, Jamar Johnson only played in 24 Career games. He played in five fewer games than uh, Caden Stearns, had only 52 solo tackles, uh, 17 assisted tackles for 69 total in his college career. Um, He also had eight tackles for loss, which is uh, about the same for him and Caden Stearns. And he also had four sacks uh, in his career at Indiana. Now, with the interception side, he had seven interceptions. So he's more of like a cover guy. And he forces those turnovers, especially being Justin Fields' kryptonite, intercepting him twice <laughs> in uh, in the game against Ohio State. Like, oh, you
0: stole my thunder! I was gonna jump all over the Justin Fields fans and say, "Here's a here's a guy that took the took the wind out of his sails."
1: Definitely, and and it's it's because that Jamar Johnson reads the quarterback's eyes so well that he puts himself in the right position to make those plays and you know keep the opposing offenses off the field yeah yeah really good looking
0: safety intercepted justin fields twice and sacked him once this year so for all you justin fields uh bandwagon guys there you go there's a there's the
1: justin fields beater we got him <laughs> definitely and and if you look at if you look at johnson's stats through the three years that he was at indiana as well no matter what category you're looking at pretty much it just it grows every single year like Solo tackles was 2, 12, or excuse me, 2, 18, and 32 in that order from 2018, 19, and 20. Uh, getting his assisted tackles was 7 and 10 in, from zero uh, in 2018 to 2020. Uh, if you look at his interceptions, he had one in 2018, two in 2019, and four in 2020. And that's in a shortened Big Ten season as well. You have four interceptions. In 2020, which absolutely got those teams on his radar, and I think Denver's got a ball hawk in there too.
0: I agree. In that uh, third round trading frenzy, uh, ultimately the Broncos finished their trading frenzy with the New York Giants, and that's where they got this pick from, and they grabbed Jamar Johnson. Maybe the steal of the of the late round there. He was a lot of lot of boards had him as a as an early day two pick, so. Getting him where they did is, is a big deal. Absolutely. It's exciting to watch. How about Seth Williams, wide receiver out of Auburn?
1: Absolutely. and they, I was watching this guy as well, and he kind of reminds me of a Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton kind of guy. He's a big guy. He looks like he's about 6'4", 6'6", kind of somewhere in that area. Yeah, um, they've, they've got him labeled at 6'3", 211. Uh, oh, wow. He plays, he plays big. He, he definitely does, and, and he's very athletic. Like he's, His athleticism made him able to make a, a few of those catches that he made from Bo Nix from Auburn. Uh, just a big guy, goes to the ball very well, which is something that you'll have to do 100% in the NFL. You're going to have to go back to the ball a lot, and he does that really well. Watching him with that big
0: body that we talked about reminded me of our old Brandon Marshall, our old buddy Brandon Marshall. Maybe my favorite Denver Bronco wide receiver. Just an ability to use that big body to take contested catches away. His problem, definitely not his physical attributes, but he seems to lack some effort. Not just, I said in my article, he lacks effort on his route running, but he just doesn't come with a ton of competitive edge like an NFL player needs to have. And that's why he slipped down the board as far as he does. But there is no question of his ability to catch the ball. Oh,
1: 100%. His hands are fantastic. I mean, in in 33 career games at Auburn, he had 132 receptions, 2,124 yards in receptions as well, uh, and 17 receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, you're not going to go to the NFL with low numbers as a receiver, and those are definitely not low numbers to say the very least.
0: Right. If I remember right, his total yards and touchdowns, maybe
1: even one other stat was top five at Auburn all time. Right. And, and that wouldn't surprise me. And Auburn's had some good receivers and good quarterbacks that have gone and played there as well. But, uh, ultimately that's a, that's a great sixth round pick for, for the Broncos getting another big guy kind of like Tim Patrick and, and Cortland Sutton as well to, give the height advantage over some smaller corners from uh from teams around the league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the kind of guy you can put at the X with the size, uh but fast enough and athletic enough you could put him at a Z. Uh very deep group of wide receiver. He was ranked 27th in this draft. Had an overall great, uh, score of 165. The Broncos get him at 219. So, pretty good pick there.
1: Absolutely. And and like you said, I mean, with the with the whole route running and everything, he's going to have to clean that up in the NFL or else he's going to kind of fizzle out a little bit sooner.
0: Yeah. And I think they can find a way not to make him be better at that. I mean, I think that will come.
1: But uh, just because the competitive thing will come. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's something that he's got to realize. And I think it'll hit him in the head real, real quickly. Is that you have to be competitive and you have to work for that spot and outwork the guy next to you. And yeah. so that, that I think will come, come pretty quickly early on into training camp.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: So that moves us down to pick
0: number 237, where we talked about briefly, Terry Vincent Jr., the corner out of LSU only goes 510, 155. Did I get those numbers mixed up? Uh, I've got 510,
1: 189 is is how how big he is but Please. Uh, yeah i know he's he's definitely a smaller guy but he's a he's a guy where he's not afraid to get physical with you and that's something that i really like in a defensive back is the fact that he is super quick and fast and he's not afraid of contact uh as well as his positioning to break up a pass is absolutely amazing he's absolutely awesome at that
0: yeah the word on Vincent is not lack of talent, not lack of speed, just lack of experience, and uh, he makes up for that with athleticism. Mm -hmm. This kid competed on the two-time SEC champion four by 100 relay team. Sure. Speed to burn. Absolutely. I think a super good chance that they give this guy a look at returning kickoffs and punts.
1: Yeah, and, and that might be a good thing to do, um, as well as is have him on special teams for a little bit, get his his quote unquote C legs underneath him, but uh yeah, that that might be a good move for the Broncos as well as getting him a little bit of time on special teams.
0: You know, the the five ten, one hundred eighty nine, to me that's more a prototypical corner and I know those are that's short nowadays in today's NFL. Then you get Patrick Sertan who's only four inches taller. Right. Vincent, and 20 to 30 pounds heavier. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's just another. Makes a big difference, though. (laughs) It makes a big difference. Absolutely. Uh, So then on to pick number 239, Jonathan Cooper. This is our guy we're talking about all day.
1: Yes, Uh, sir.
0: The edge rusher. Uh, This is a high character guy. He was a, a team captain two of the seasons, I believe you know not maybe not the the greatest edge rusher out there but a guy that
1: I think George Payton took a flyer on to get a young leader in the locker room. I think so as well. And and John Cooper like you said was a captain at Ohio State for either one or two years, but ultimately I mean he he had been at Ohio State. Uh I believe he redshirted his first year and went back in 2017 as a freshman, a redshirt freshman and had 9 games played, 11 solo tackles with five assisted for 16 and three of those for loss, two sacks. I mean, he came in as a freshman, took some time to get a little bigger and get himself ready for the competition, and he just ultimately just ran away with it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, but this guy had only 77 total tackles through his time with Ohio State. But in the past season, in the shortened season that they had, um, you know, he had 12 solo and 12 assisted. For three and a half loss tackles and three and a half sacks. Like this guy's definitely an edge rusher who's come a long way from the time that he came to Ohio State. He definitely stays home on the on the outside on the on the weak side plays. He's he's one of those guys that's gonna force quarterbacks to make bad decisions and ultimately I think the defensive backfield is gonna capitalize on those bad decisions as well. Yeah. Really
0: like his strength and ability to set the edge. Six three, two fifty three, not that much different in size than Baron Browning. Definitely. And like I say, that might be why they had to bump Baron Browning out. Maybe they just didn't have the the personnel they wanted on the edge. And, and Jonathan Cooper and Baron Browning kind of teamed up a little bit. But I think this'll this'll be a great ad for the Broncos. Like I say, another good character guy, two year captain or two time captain. There's a video running around of him. Uh, just after the draft came out of the house and there were a bunch of little kids that were congratulating him and he i saw that was hugging him and I saw that so that, was, that was an awesome a, story
1: a big-hearted guy I'm, I'm anxious to meet him and see what he's like me too me too and hopefully we can get uh, one of these guys on the show sometime here in the near future
0: yeah absolutely we're working on it and man if we can get any any listeners to help us out, I'm looking for people to help me out with production, figuring out this technology uh, and, and making the show better. And if we can get some, uh, get some of these folks on the line, you know, we, we had a Tom, Thomas Reed, the third was on the NFL hopeful. was hoping to land him today. He had a, an incident down in Florida that we'll hopefully talk about. We'll try and get him on the show here in the next week or so. And But yeah, we want to, we're going to get some resources where we can chat with these guys, so if any of our listeners can help us do that, please reach out. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook, and let's uh, let's grow the thunder here.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't Still, have said it m- better myself.
0: So one more pick to go in the NFL draft. Number 10, pick 253, Marquise Spencer. Go for it.
1: Yeah, Marquise Spencer, uh, bigger kind of defensive end. Is what they're classifying him as defensive line slash defensive end for Mississippi State. Six uh, foot four, three hundred one. Uh, drafted seventh round at two fifty three. In his career at Mississippi State, he was at the uh, he Bowl. was at the Senior Bowl as well. He played pretty well, I believe. Um, as well as at Mississippi State, he played he played a total of over thirty or forty games, actually, which is which is awesome. In the collegiate level, but ultimately um, had fifty four solo tackles fifty six assisted tackles for one hundred and ten total uh, had twenty three total tackles for loss, seven sacks, one interception that he returned for twenty four yards um, unfortunately didn't take it to the house though, but forced three fumbles and had three fumble recoveries as well so he he is a definitely a disruption on the inside or the outside, whichever way you put him
0: yeah it'll be interesting.
1: To see, they
0: you know definitely great fit for Fangio's three four. I don't know if he'll be a, a five tech kind of with Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones if they'll move him inside behind Mike Purcell. I don't. It'll be interesting to see, but
1: definitely yeah, and that's play a
0: player that has
1: a lot of experience and he'll bring some added depth to the line there for sure. Hundred percent, and that's something that I would do as Fangio as well is move him to the inside because being three hundred one pounds coming off the edge not going to be an easy thing to do. Basically, use his size and ability, because he's a strong guy. He will throw guys around. So, uh, use his size and ability to move him on the inside and cause uh, issues in the middle, along with Baron Browning as well. Yep. Yep. So, by
0: and large, I think uh, I summed it up in my article I called George Payton a steely-eyed missile man, a quote from one of my favorite movies, Apollo 13. He stuck to his guns. I think he did a great draft. There's definitely still some holes on this Broncos roster, especially right tackle. Which you know, hindsight's 2020. If we get our 54 million dollar Jalen James to come play football for us, then uh, things look a lot different. You can't count for injuries. You, you you have to expect them, but you really can't count on them. You try to draft the best players and. Get the players you think are going to help you the most right now. And I think that's what George Payton did on draft day. If he'd have known Jawan Payton, uh, Jawan Payton, Jawan James is going down, maybe the draft looked a little bit different. But he had to consider a lot of things, as they all do
1: every draft. And I think he did a great job through free agency and the draft. Yeah, and, I, and you got to think, too, is, is if Jawan James does go down early, do you draft Rashawn Slater at number nine? That's something, like you said, that you got to think about, whereas he didn't have to think about it at that point. Now we're trying to look at somebody maybe in the free agency side of everything to bring in to play tackle where he's going to play as well as, you know, how the offensive line is going to look on day one is going to be an interesting thing to talk about here in the near future as well. All right. Well, that uh, about wraps
0: it up with all this, all those things you bring up. It just kind of comes full circle, though. We get right back to that quarterback conversation. There's a lot of people saying, well, look, you know, it's a 50-50 competition. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, it's 50-50, 50-50. So, see, Drew Locke's not that great. Well, they're not going to say we're going to create
1: competition by saying Drew Locke's our quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's something that Drew Locke in his play last season has kind of forced. Like, yeah, he played subpar last year. but. At the same time, at the end of the day, he's still the Broncos quarterback as of right now. You
0: still saw saw a high ceiling on Drew Locke. We we all know what Teddy Bridgewater is, and I like Teddy Bridgewater. I have since day one. I was bummed that the Broncos didn't draft him, and I was bummed that Minnesota let him go after that horrific injury. But it is what it is. Teddy is what he is, and I don't think he's going to beat Drew Locke for the starting job, but he might. I think Drew Locke can take the job away from him somewhere in the season,
1: but it could be Aaron Rodgers, folks. That's just the way it is. It could be Aaron Rodgers. Definitely. And uh, do you know when training camp starts there, Jerry? I don't off the top of my head. We'll uh, (laughs) we'll get there later. Gotcha. Yeah, so let's see here. It looks like on DenverBroncos.com, it looks like you are able to uh, even print a schedule for Broncos training camp. So ultimately they have a morning practice at 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. afternoon practice as well. Uh, but ultimately that's going to be something that we're going to be fired up on uh, this show here in the near future is when training camp will start. So it looks like the first day of training camp will be on Thursday, July the 18th. So still a couple months away. But yeah, I feel like that's going to be the next thing that Denver Bronco fans have to look forward to. Well. It- the next thing is going to be the schedule. The schedule's due Oh, that's the right. next week or so, I think. That's right. and That's probably what we'll be talking about next week, too. How, huh, Jerry?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see if we can get Thomas Reed. We'll hit up the schedule. Hopefully, we'll condense the show a little bit next week. Uh, Although, who knows how much news I'll
1: we'll have to talk about. Yeah, and that's that's something that we got to account for, too. Like you said, that uh, the NFL has to account for injuries. We have to account for what news comes through next week. So, it'll do, it'll definitely be a lot of fun anyway. Absolutely. He's Alex Romero. I'm Jerry Murray. appreciate you guys tuning
0: in to Rocky Mountain Thunder. Like I say, spread your listening out all week long, and maybe you can get this whole episode done before we're back at you next week from the Rocky Mountain Sports Report. We'll see you next week.